pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. opportunity to come into your presence, Lord. We draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, our hearts being sprinkled from an evil conscience with the precious blood of Jesus and our bodies being washed with pure water. Thank you for the sanctification of our bodies by the washing of water by the word which we're about to partake of this morning. Thank you, Father, we can come boldly before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, Lord, we come before your grace. We come before your throne, Lord. We know you're in our presence, but we want to be in your presence, Lord, because in your presence is fullness of joy. Everything we could possibly want or need is in your presence, Lord, and this is where we want to be this morning. Thank you for the word that's about to come forth. I thank you, Lord, that it's anointed. I ask for you to anoint me, God, that I may deliver this word with boldness, clarity, simplicity, and above all with accuracy, yes. rightly dividing. Yes. And we thank you, Father, that this, this word will be revelation knowledge to each and every one that's here today yes. by those by way of social media. It will be a revelation to them, Lord. They will gain wisdom and understanding today. And God, we thank you that this word is life-changing, and it will change our lives. So we give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Children, you're dismissed. Youth is in here this morning. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Thank you, Judah. Miss Judah. <laughs> this morning. Last week, we learned the importance of having boundaries in our lives. And we studied Proverbs 4, 20 through 20. Three, especially verse 23 where it said keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life and we discussed the meaning of that word issues we learned that the word issues came from a Hebrew word that actually means boundaries or borders in other places of the Old Testament the word issue is also translated not only borders and boundaries but it's also translated as outskirts outgoings and limits, outer limits. So we could actually quote Proverbs 23 without doing any injustice to the scriptures like this. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it will the borders, boundaries, outskirts, and limits of your life be established. Everybody needs boundaries. Everybody needs borders that they need to respect. Everybody needs to have limits 
and they have to stay within those boundaries and within those limits to live a safe and prosperous life. So this morning I'm going to spend a little more time talking about the importance of having these boundaries in our lives because having clear boundaries and limitations is essential to safety and health and uh, having a balanced lifestyle. Uh, it will help us keep within the things uh, that pertain to life and godliness. And our boundaries and our borders and our limits are established by the word of God. I even have established boundaries for my dog. I finally was able to post a little excerpt, a five second video this morning. I don't know if anybody had a chance to see it. It hasn't been up that long because I've been having troubles trying to figure out this new platform on Facebook or what. Maybe it's not even a new platform. I just don't know what I'm doing. But uh, my dog has boundaries and limits. And if I tell her to drop something, she drops it. Because she may pick up something that's harmful for her out in the, in the yard or in the street or something. So if I say drop it, she knows to drop it. And so uh, if I tell her stop, she knows to stop. Because if she goes to run out in the street and the car is coming, I shout stop. And she will stop. That's, on the, that's what's on the video this morning. Uh, she was going to cross a boundary that I put on her and, and cross over the driveway going to the neighbor's yard and she's not allowed to do that and so when she was headed for that boundary I said stop and she stopped immediately and turned around and so she had to learn boundaries but they're for her own good they're for her safety she may not understand them but uh, these boundaries uh, she'd like to go into that other yard and explore and you know the grass is always greener in somebody else's yard she loves to do that but uh, my neighbor might not like it. So she has to learn those boundaries, especially running out in the street. And so uh, I want to spend some more time talking about these boundaries and how necessary they are for our lives and they keep us from going too far. In Psalm 74, 17, it says, Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. God has set boundaries on everything that he created. All of his creation has boundaries. Even the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, everything has a boundary. Even the, the, the seasons have a boundary. Uh, he won't allow winter to cross over into uh, spring, and he won't allow spring to cross over into summer, and summer into fall, and so on and so forth. Each season has its own boundaries, and its own season and it has to stay within those boundaries he established borders for everything on the earth he spoke to the waters when he was creating the earth and it was covered with water he said water you'll come this far and this far and that far and no further and he established boundaries and the waters stay within their boundaries for the most part I mean, we might have a, a high tide or, a, or a, a storm or a flood or something like that, and, and they'll leave the boundaries for a minute, but they always return to their boundaries. He spoke uh, to the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom. Even the animals have boundaries. Even the animals don't cross breed and do things that uh, would be outside of the boundaries that the Lord has set for them. Uh, the plant kingdom has boundaries. 
Everything has order, and that order is maintained by boundaries and limits that God has placed upon them. God has established borders and boundaries for everything in his creation. And think of the universe. God creates the, the entire universe, the plants, or, or the, the planets, the stars, the Milky Way, the galaxies. Uh, everything is in the universe, and everything has a place, and everything must stay in its place. If you have a planet that goes outside of its boundaries, I mean, he's, he's established it, and he upholds everything with the, the word of his power. But if you have a planet that's supposed to be going at a certain speed and a certain trajectory and a certain direction, and uh, uh, that's a boundary that he's placed upon that planet. And if it goes outside of that boundary, it's going to be chaos and destruction. I mean, just one planet goes out of orbit, and all the other ones will follow, and they probably all go right into the sun. That would be the end of everything. Amen? Amen? But they obey the boundaries that God set for them. Amen. Boundaries are good. Amen? Amen? I know a lot of people don't like boundaries because they feel like it puts them in bondage, and it restricts them from doing things. But the things that it's restricting you from doing is for your own good. How many parents have said that phrase? This is for your own good. And that's the truth. This is for your own good. Amen? You put boundaries on your children, not because you want to be mean or you want to restrict them from having fun or put them in bondage. You put boundaries on them because you want to keep them safe. And as long as they stay within those boundaries, they'll be safe. So God established boundaries for us. He's he has limits, and, and if you stay within those limits, everything will be okay. A boundary or border is a personal property line. And it marks things for which we are responsible. Uh, you're responsible for everything within your borders, within your boundaries. And in other words, boundaries define who we are and who we are not. And we should determine our boundaries based on the word of God and stay within them. God has outlined laws and uh, boundaries in his word, and we should stay within them, and we'll reap the benefits of God's word. We'll reap the benefits of God's promises and blessings. We have one commandment, two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as thyself. Those are two commands, but it boils down to one commandment, and that's to walk in love. If we stay within the boundaries of walking in love, we'll be safe. We'll be safe from the consequences of stepping outside of those boundaries. We'll be safe from the consequences that we bring upon ourselves by not loving our neighbor, by not walking in love. And boundaries impact every area of our life. We need physical boundaries to help us determine what we will allow our flesh to do. How far will we allow our flesh to go? All those boundaries are outlined in the word of God. And let me tell you something about your flesh, and this is probably no secret for anybody in this uh, room, but your flesh is on a destruction course. Your flesh will destroy itself if you allow it to. It'll eat itself to death, drink itself to death, drug itself to death, entertain itself to death. It will just 
it's on a destruction course. And so you have to draw some lines. You have to place some limits on your flesh. And you have to tell your flesh, just like God told the waters of the earth, you're going to go this far and this far and no further. Right. Amen. Because your flesh will kill itself. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need physical boundaries. Help us determine how far we allow our flesh to go. We need mental boundaries that will help us control what we allow ourselves to think on and how far we will let those thoughts go. We need emotional boundaries to help us deal with our emotions and keep them from getting out of control. Our anger, for example, has to have boundaries. If it doesn't, it will get out of control. It will cause you to hurt someone you love, hurt, hurt a relationship, hurt a marriage, hurt yourself. Your anger has to be controlled. We have to have limits or boundaries for our emotions. So without boundaries on anger, it'll destroy everything it comes in contact with. We also need spiritual boundaries. Spiritual boundaries that'll help us distinguish God's will from our will. And it's right here in the word. It tells us what the spiritual boundaries for our life are. And if we don't obey those spiritual boundaries, if we don't set limitations on what we do with our spirits or our, our, what we do in the spiritual realm, then we'll wind up not serving the one and only true God and be blown about with every different wind of doctrine and everything else. We have to have boundaries for our spirit. And you know what? You're, the capacity of your spirit is just unimaginable. We don't realize the capacity of our spirit, and it was designed uh, with a large capacity because God has things planned for us that he wants to just fill our spirits with and, uh, and for all eternity, not just for here. And, for example, when uh, the demoniac from the Gadarenes, he was uh, had, I don't know what the estimates are, uh, 6,000 or more demons in him. His spirit held 6,000 plus demons and, and still wasn't full to capacity. Uh, when Jesus asked him what his name was, he says, Legion, for we are many. So Jesus cast the devils out, and they asked if they could go into this herd of pigs, uh, about 2,000 pigs. And Jesus allowed them to go into the, the pigs, and they ran off the brow of a hill into the sea and drowned themselves. I mean, even a pig has, never mind. <laughs> but anyway, that just gives us a small idea of the capacity of the human spirit. And so it's, it's, it's so enormous and so powerful that we have to have spiritual boundaries. Because if we open our spirit to wrong things, it could mean our destruction. It could mean that we go the wrong way. We stop worshiping the one and only true God, and we start worshiping devils. Amen? Amen? So we all have boundaries in our lives. And our goal should be to establish and then maintain boundaries and limits that will keep us safe. Boundaries and limits will keep us not only safe, but free from sin and out of harm's way. Anyone that drives a motor vehicle has to recognize certain boundaries. You know, a yellow stripe down the center of the road. That's a boundary that we must recognize and respect. 
A crosswalk is a boundary that we must recognize and respect. A guardrail is a boundary that we must recognize and respect because anytime you violate those boundaries and go beyond the limits of those boundaries that were set, you're gonna put yourself in danger. You're gonna get run over by a car or you're gonna have a head-on collision or you're gonna go off a cliff. You have to stay within the boundaries that are set. These are physical boundaries and we have to obey them. And as long as we do, then we will be safe. Amen? But what if you don't respect them and you decide you're not going to stay within the boundaries that have been set for us? That's when we get in trouble. Amen. And these boundaries are very clear and hard to mistake. I mean, it's easy to see a yellow stripe in the center of the road. It's easy to see a crosswalk, a guardrail, or other limits and boundaries that we have driving down the road and keeping us safe. Uh, but everyone needs personal boundaries as well, especially boundaries for our flesh. You know, there, there are things that we just can't allow our flesh to do and things that we have to draw a line for our flesh because, like I said, your flesh will eventually kill itself if you don't control it. Paul said he had to uh, buffet his body daily and bring it into subjection lest he be considered a castaway. And, and uh, because he was, he was preaching things, but if he didn't keep his body in subjection, he'd be considered a castaway himself. And so he would keep his body in, in subjection and keep it within the boundaries. And when it comes to our flesh, unlike physical boundaries, the lines can get blurred very easily because of the temptations that our flesh is presented with. I mean, there's things that we know should be a boundary. We know that we shouldn't do, and yet our flesh will blur those lines and cause us to think after a while that it's okay to do those things, and it's not. We should have boundaries for our eyes, our ears. We should, be, we should, have, we should set limitations and boundaries for the things that we will allow our eyes to look at. You know, uh, I had an old pastor, and he told me, he's talking about the sins of the flesh, and, and one of them is where we let our eyes go. And, and he told me, he says, Brother Mike, he said, the first look is always free, but the second one is going to cost you. And, and so he said, we've got to control our eyes. You know, you can't help seeing certain things, you know, but if you see something you ain't supposed to be looking at, you've got to turn away from it. You got to control the flesh. And boy, your flesh would be wanting to go on, go on, take another look, take another look. And I never forgot that. My pastor told me that the second look was going to cost me. So I took that to heart and I set up boundaries for my eyes. These eyes ain't going to look at no porn. These eyes ain't going to look at all the junk that's out there that we're tempted to look at at times. We just can't allow that. So we got to keep those lines clear and not allow them to get blurred. Uh, boundaries for the eyes, boundaries for the ears. We should set a boundary when it comes to how much sleep we allow our flesh to have. Because your flesh will waste its life away sleeping. And, and then we have to set boundaries on not only how much we eat, but also what we eat. I have a problem with both. 
I have a problem with how much I eat, and I have a problem with what I eat because it's not all healthy for me. Amen? Amen? So we have to be careful where we allow our flesh to go, what we allow our flesh to do. Smoking should be a boundary. I smoke. I'm not criticizing people that smoke. It won't send you to hell. I don't believe it will send you to hell. Make you smell like you've already been there, but it won't send you. <laughs> Drinking should be a boundary. I drink. I'm not criticizing people that drink. But I know the results of alcohol. And you know, people would raise the argument all the time. There's nothing in the Bible about drinking. Jesus made wine. Paul told uh, uh, Timothy to drink a little wine for his stomach's sake. And so, you know, what's wrong with drinking? Well, you look at the results of it and you tell me what's wrong with it. Is drinking itself a sin? Probably not. But everything that comes from it is. Drunk driving, beating your spouse. And that goes both ways. It ain't always the women getting beaten. I, I, I've heard of some women beating the men. So it's, a, it's spousal abuse, abuse of the kids. You start missing work. You lose your job. You lose your car. You lose your house. You lose your family. You lose your marriage. Ask me if drinking is a sin. Drugs, never experienced them. I can honestly say I never even took a puff on a marijuana joint or cigarette or whatever you call it. I just had a boundary. I guess it was just something in me that set a boundary when it comes to that. Nope, not that. I didn't even have to try it. Didn't have, didn't want no part of it. So I had a boundary set for drugs. The others I tried, but now I have boundaries for smoking, boundaries for drinking. I won't try them anymore. I don't have to. And like I said, without boundaries, and limits that you have to place on your own flesh, your flesh will kill you. It will overdose. It will drink itself to death. It will destroy its, its liver, its organs. And then we should have boundaries for our little children too. Why? To keep them safe and out of harm's way. Keep them out of trouble. And there's certain lines that we should never allow them to cross and one of them is disrespect. And another one is dishonoring or being disobedient to your parents. That's the first line of defense is the parents. And also elders or people in authority should also, we should set boundaries for our children with them as well, just like with the parents. But if we allow them to disrespect and disobey us as parents, then they'll do the same thing with their teachers. They'll do the same thing with their scout leaders, their coaches. They'll do the same thing with the boss on the job. And God forbid, they'll do the same thing when the police officer tells them to do something. And I'm not saying every police shooting or uh, action is justified because it's like anything else. You got bad mechanics, bad doctors, bad lawyers, or bad police officers. I'm not sticking up for them. But what I'm saying is this. How many of those people that got hurt or, God forbid, even killed or shot, shot and killed because it could have been prevented if they would have just stopped when they told them to stop? 
if they would have just obeyed him when they said to put your hands behind your back. If they would have just respected the authority that that police officer carried, how many of those people would still be alive today? Most of them. Amen? So it's, it's more important than you think to teach a child at a young age to start respecting people. And we should teach our children to honor their father and mother. That's the first commandment with promise, God said in the Bible. We should have boundaries for the way that we allow them to speak to us. Don't let them disrespect you with that little mouth of theirs. I mean, they're, they're, they're struggling with their flesh just like we struggle with ours. But don't allow them to back talk you. Don't allow them to disrespect you or dishonor you in any way, shape, or form. You may have to create a significant emotional event in their lives, but you can't allow it. Their manners and how we allow them to act towards others, especially their elder, elders. You know, we, we used to correct our kids all the time, and we still correct our grandchildren if necessary. Uh, hey, Mike, how you doing? That's Uncle Mike to you. You know, that's Aunt so-and-so to you. And uh, I, I'm sorry, Uncle Mike. You know, and we correct them right on the spot. Yeah, maybe it's embarrassing, but you know what? It'd be a lot more embarrassing if it happens with somebody that'll knock your teeth out. Amen? We should have mental boundaries. How about our thought life? Should we think about anything that we want to think about? Now you can't, you can't help a thought to come into your mind. Sometimes a thought just pops up there. I don't know where they come from, but sometimes a, pop, a thought just pops up there. But the one thing I do know is whether it's right or wrong to think about it. I do know when that thought is wrong and don't have any place in my head. And so I have to make a choice then. I have to get that thought out of my head. I can't allow my mind to dwell on that thought because it's not wholesome. It's not right. Amen? And so we have to uh, control our minds, and we can't allow our minds to dwell on anything that we want them to dwell on. We can't let, we can't let our imaginations run away with themselves either. Because we start imagining things. And first it starts as a thought, then an imagination, then it becomes a stronghold, and then it, it takes action. It becomes an action. When is it easiest to deal with it? When it's a thought. Because when, it, when it's a thought, we allow it to become imagination. We start imagining that thought. And usually it's imagining ourselves with another woman, another man. You know, the thought comes to your head. You're mad at your, your spouse, husband or wife. You're mad at them. You're upset with them. And so all of a sudden, this thought comes into your, your head. Boy, I really love the way he treats his wife. Or I love this. Or I love that. And you start imagining how it would be if you were in her place or his place. And then that imagination becomes a stronghold to the place where that's all you can think about. And then it becomes an action. The devil will give you an opportunity to walk it out with somebody. So deal with it as a thought. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your flesh, 
a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He's not asking too much. Every once in a while, we need to lay that flesh on the altar and sacrifice it. We need to put that flesh on the cross and crucify it. It killed Jesus, but it won't kill you. We need to metaphorically, if you will, kill the flesh. Not let it rule us. And then he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's talking about your thought life. And then we should have spiritual boundaries. We shouldn't open our spirits to just anything that comes down the pipe. Like Ouija boards. That's, that's pretty popular. That was popular when I was a kid. I played on a Ouija board. I didn't realize, but I was opening doors to spirits that I had no business trafficking with. And I thought it was a game. But it's not a game. The devil's playing for keeps. And... Uh, I just thought it was when I was young and stuff, but I'd be careful like you don't give away names or hints that might lead you to realize who it was. But somebody near and dear to me was telling me that they were with their friend and he brought out a Ouija board. But the person I'm talking about had enough sense not to do it. And so he didn't participate in it. But he was in the same room with that Ouija board and uh, while the other guy was playing with it and whatnot, and so those spirits were all around there. So we have to have boundaries when it comes to that, boundaries when it comes to fortune-telling and other forms of witchcraft and crystal and stuff. I know people got just started tinkling with crystals. They were fascinated by the, uh, the supernatural realm, let's say, but they weren't fascinated with the super, supernatural realm of the Holy Ghost or God's supernatural realm. They were uh, fascinated with supernatural evil. And so they started, and, and they were led into it by friends, so-called friends, started tinkering, tinkering with crystals. Then it, before you know it, it was full-blown witchcraft, and now they're completely out of church, completely. Turned their back on God and everything else. Why? Trafficking with wrong spirits. And it starts out small and grows big and strong. It gets to the place where you can't handle it anymore. You have the ability to, but you didn't draw the line somewhere along the line. Uh, you know, the, the Holy Ghost, the one that indwells us, he's the greater one. Greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. So he's the greater one, but unless you recognize him, and exercise him in your life as a greater one, these other spirits will overtake you. And they'll get you to do other things because you open the door to them. God has designed the world so that boundaries are to be respected. And you know what? And this is almost hard to believe, but God respects our boundaries. And, and he respects our choices. So we need to respect his boundaries. And his choices, his boundaries are better than our boundaries. His choices are always better than our choices. But he always, he always respects our boundaries, whether they're good or bad. He always respects our choices, whether they're good or bad. 
The Bible sets up boundaries for our lives. And when it comes to our well-being and, and, uh, and our safety, those boundaries are really important for our lives. I can't stress how important boundaries are. I had boundaries growing up. Thank God I did. I didn't have all the best boundaries, but I had boundaries and limitations. I knew certain things. I knew when the street lights came on, I had five minutes to make it to the house or I was in trouble. That was a boundary I had. I couldn't be out after dark. So when the street lights came on, that was my cue, head for the house. And then there's boundaries that the devil tries to place in our lives. But his boundaries are more limitations than anything else. You know, and when we're faced with boundaries like that, it holds us back. It keeps us from being all that we can be for God. And so these are bad boundaries. These are boundaries we don't want to obey. We don't want to stay within these boundaries uh, because they become limitations to what we can do and limitations to what we can achieve and the goals that we can achieve. Y'all out there, you're gone. <laughs> but we should allow, not only allow God to set boundaries for our life, we should want him to set boundaries for our lives. We should want to study the word and find out how far we can go here, how far we can go there. And, and it's not how far we can go over the line and how much we can get away with, but we want to know where that line is and we want to know where it is so that we can stay within it, not to see how far over the boundary we can go. Because just going over a little bit is dangerous. You step over a guardrail and you don't have to go too far before you fall somewhere. You jump over a wall or a fence at the zoo, you don't have to go too far before a wild animal got a hold of your pants. So we need to not just know where the lines are so that we can see how far we can cross them, but to stay within them. We need to know our boundaries. And these are boundaries we need to recognize and never step over. But when it's a boundary that the devil set, that's the one that we should overcome. We should step over that boundary. We should go beyond that boundary. You know, the devil uses fear as a boundary. We reach that point of fear and it becomes a boundary. It becomes a wall. It becomes a line that we will not cross. Why? Because we're afraid to cross it. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of not being able to do what we're trying to do. And it keep us in bondage. That's real bondage. We don't want that. The Red Sea was a boundary that Israel had to overcome. The River Jordan was a boundary that Israel had to overcome. Jericho had a wall that was a boundary that Israel had to overcome. But no matter if the boundaries are right or wrong, God will always respect your choice to either stay within it or cross it. He'll let you do it. Even when they go too far or they bring us to places that are dangerous for us and the ones we're responsible for, he will let you go. I know innocent family members, innocent spouses, innocent children that were taken over the boundary of their father or mother, whoever brought them beyond the boundary that they should have never crossed, 
and put them in danger, and they suffered consequences for it. Why? Because you're responsible for your boundaries and everybody that's within your boundaries or should be within your boundaries. But along with that, God also allows us to experience sometimes painful consequences when we cross those boundaries. That's not his wish. That's not his best. But there has to be consequences for our behavior. And it's like I've always said, God will let you do anything you want to do. But you have to suffer the consequences for your choices. Stop and think about it a minute. If there were no consequences for what you do, then you'll never feel motivated to change anything. See, when you get yourself in trouble and you realize that you've overstepped the boundary, it will motivate you to change, get back within that boundary. But if you never feel any pain from it, what, you, what will you do? You'll go further and get into more trouble. And at the same time, when we overstep our boundaries, God is not obligated to rescue us. We think we can do whatever we want and cry out to God and he's obligated to rescue us. He's not. He's not obligated. If he does rescue you, it is out of pure mercy and grace that he did it. I wish I had a mirror up there so you could see what I'm seeing right now. You people are not happy. But rather than bail us out, he'd rather have us work it out for ourselves and learn things along the way. He won't violate our wish to be left alone. If you tell God to leave me alone, he'll leave you alone. Well, I thought he'd never leave me or forsake me. Yeah, he won't leave you or forsake you. He'll always be there, but he'll keep his distance as long as you don't want him near. Amen. That's the problem with this country. We push God out of everything. We didn't want him in our schools. We don't want him in our courthouses. We don't want him in our government. We don't want him anywhere anymore. We don't even want any mention of him or any nativity scene at Christmas time or uh, a cross at Easter time. Santa Claus has got full, got the key to the city and the Easter Bunny got the seat, key to the city but God doesn't. He's not going to violate that. He's not going to force himself on people. You don't want me in the courthouse? I won't be there. But don't look for any justice. Second, he respects us when we tell him no. You can tell God no, and he'll respect that. Now, our children can't tell me no, because I won't respect it. But then again, I'm not God. But God will respect your no's. If you tell God no, I don't want to do it, he won't force you. He won't chase after you. He won't make you do it. He's not going to try to control us, and he's not going to be a nag. He just allows you to go your way and do your own thing. You have to realize you made a mistake and turn around. In the parable of the prodigal son, you know the parable of the prodigal son. The father had two sons, an older one and a younger one. 
And he also had an inheritance for them that they should have got when he died. But based on custom back then, you could get your inheritance early. It's yours anyway. I just want to, I want it now. I want to draw it out now. Well, the young one did that. He says, I want my inheritance now. I want the lot that falls to me. I want it now. The older one didn't take it. But the father said that, uh, the Bible says that the father divided it equally between them both. So even though it was the young one that wanted it, he gave it to both at the same time. Now the older one, he stayed with the father. Maybe he put it in the bank. I don't know what he did with it, but he stayed with the father. The younger one went to a far country and he squandered it on riotous living and parties and living it up. Anyway, he wasted it all. He become broke. He didn't have any friends, any money. He was living in a pig pen, slobbing the pigs and eating what the pigs were eating. Let me ask you a question. Did God stop him from going? Did God stop him from wasting his inheritance? No. He respected him all the way down the line. But God is always waiting with open arms. But the son, the Bible says, when he came to his senses, see, he had to be the one to come to his senses. God had never lost his sense. And when he came to his senses, he said, what am I doing in this pit pen? My father is rich. He said, I, I would rather be a servant for him than to live with these pigs. And so he goes back home. And, and to his surprise, the father's waiting for him with open arms. He kills a fatted calf, puts a robe on him, a ring, new shoes, the whole nine yards. He's still treating him what? Like a son. And he was rejoicing because he came back. That's the way our father is. He'll let you go, but he'll wait for you. But you have to initiate coming back yourself. Amen? See, the younger son had no boundaries. That's why he wasted everything on riotous, careless living. And then there's a story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and kneeled down before him and said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, first of all, you don't inherit it. You ask for it and he gives it to you. Amen? Amen. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, you know the commandments, the boundaries you must observe. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. All good boundaries. That's what they are. They're, they're just boundaries. And the rich young ruler answered Jesus and said, Master, I've observed all these commandments since I was a small child. Jesus says, okay, that's good. And he looks at him just like the father would with love in his eyes. And he says, there's one thing you haven't done that you need to do. Go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. Man, that made the young ruler sad. And the Bible said that he turned and left very grieved. Grieved because God asked him to do something that he didn't want to do. And he left with all his possessions. But same question, did God try to stop him? Knew it was a mistake. He knew he shouldn't leave. And yet he did. 
And you know, just based on the law of sowing and reaping, if he would have gave all that stuff, sold everything, give it to the poor, he would have reaped way more than he gave away. But he never gave it a chance. God let him go. Joshua told his people, choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a leader. That's a father. That's the head of a family. He don't put it to a vote. He don't ask you your opinion. As for this house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, when me and Pastor Ed came into the light of, of the knowledge that we have uh, uh, of the Lord being our master and savior, we said the same thing. As for this house, we will serve the Lord. Chris didn't like it, and he left. But when he left, we told him. Again, based on the Bible, the prodigal son, this door is always open. If you ever realize that you made a mistake and you were wrong, this door is always open. And he eventually come back. But we made a commitment that this house is going to serve the Lord, and that means everybody in it. And I've always preached this, and I've said it in counseling numerous times. My house, my rules. Yeah, but I'm 18 years old. I'm 21 years old. I'm My house, my rules. You want to make your own rules? Get your own house. And you got to stick with that. Your house, your rules. But when people say no to God, he allows it, and he keeps loving them. And this is our example. And, and he's a giver. We should be a giver. And, and one of the things he always gives us is a choice. He gave us a free will. And so he's not going to violate that free will. People think, why did God let this happen? Why did God let that happen? Because that's what you wanted to do. And he's not going to stop you. But you will suffer the consequences for the choices that you made. God respects that as well. You know, a lot of people aren't as honest as the biblical characters that we were talking about here a minute ago. The prodigal son was direct and honest. He said, I don't want to do it your way, Dad. I want to do it my way. Uh, only thing is, when you don't respect boundaries, it's going to cost you. It costs him everything. Thank God he came to his senses. Sense it. In Matthew 21, 28 through 31, Jesus said to a certain man that had two sons, he said, what do you think about this story? He came to the first son and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And his son answered and said, I will not, but later repented and went into the field and worked. And then he come to the second son and said, likewise, said the same thing. Son, go work in my vineyard. And he answered and said, sir, I go. But he didn't go. And so Jesus asked the crowd that he was giving this parable to. He said, which one did the will of his father? Well, the first one, everybody said. Yeah, even though he said no, he repented and he did it. But the second one said yes and then didn't do it. So he was a liar. But we're more often like the second son in the parable than we are the first son. We'll say yes, but we acted no. See, God wants honest, honesty. And, and in Ecclesiastes 5.5, 5, he said, 
it's better not to vow at all than to make a vow and not fulfill it. We lie more than we think we do and don't realize we're lying. We say yes and then don't do it more than we think we do. That's why a lot of times just keep your mouth shut. You know, you run into people you haven't seen for a long time and you say, yeah, we have to go to dinner. We have to get together sometime. And you have no intention of ever doing that. As a matter of fact, if they called you and said, hey, let's meet at the restaurant. Remember when you said, let's get together, have dinner? You get upset. Why? Because you said yes, but wasn't willing to do it. We do that a lot, not just with that example, but all kinds of different ways. But you know what? When you say no, you're being honest. You say, no, I don't want to go in the field today. I got something better to do. You always have room for repentance. But when you say yes and then never intend to do it and don't do it, there's no room for repentance. We've counseled people. I was going to say they had issues. Let's just say they have problems. I'm talking, we've seen it all. Adulterous affairs, drug and alcohol abuse, and just I can't think of something we haven't seen or talked about with people. And uh, we would pray for them, pray with them, and they would tell us they're going to change, but then they wouldn't even try. I'm not talking about somebody that tried and failed. I'm talking about somebody that said, yes, we're going to change. We're going to start doing this and stop doing that and left that office and never even made an attempt to do it. That's the people I'm talking about. And you know what? While we were talking to them, I really believed that they wanted to change. I really believed that they wanted it to happen, but they wanted it to happen without any effort on their part. Would you pray for me to quit smoking? Sure. Be happy to. I, I want that more than anything in the world. I want that to be a success in your life more than anything in the world. But they want to quit smoking without any effort on their part. They want to quit drinking without any effort on their part. They want to quit doing whatever it is that they're doing that they know is wrong and harmful for their life, but they want God to wave a magic wand and make it all go away without any effort on their part. No, sometimes you got to go to the vineyard and actually do some work. But I'd rather you be honest with me and not even tell me that you want to change. Or say no and then repent later and, and try to change. Again, I'm not talking about people that tried and failed. I understand that more than you think. But I'm talking about people that say yes and then just do no. But if, what it boils down to is they really didn't want to change. They wanted somebody that would agree with them, tickle their ears and say, it's okay, God understands you're not strong enough. God understands that you can't help yourself. God understands that it's, uh, you're going to continue doing this and he don't have a problem with it. You know how many churches are doing that right now? From the pulpit, telling you that sin is not sin and wrong is not right. 
Why? Because they want to tickle your ears and keep you in church. I don't want that hanging over my head. And we tell them, you can change if you want to. You just need to face the truth. And rather than just do your own thing, obey God and ask him for help, and he'll help you. And me and Pastor Ed tried to quit smoking for years. And not only failed, but when we started back smoking, we smoked twice as hard. And then our pastor told us, he says, we were under condemnation because he would ask us to go with him to the hospital to pray for somebody. And we would be under condemnation because we smell like smoke. We can't pray for people. We, we're in sin ourselves. And he told us, he says, don't condemn yourself. God knows your heart. He said, when it's time, you'll quit. And, and, you know, every time you light up a cigarette, just say, I don't need these things. I, I'm going to quit. You know, and then one day, it, we had somebody pray for us. It, it was an evangelist. We had him pray for us, and it clicked in our spirits, both of us, me and Pastor at the same time. You don't need to smoke anymore. You're free. You're delivered from smoking. And, and we never smoked another cigarette from that day on. Now, I had a hard time with it, Pastor Ed. She had, I won't say she didn't have a hard time, but she, she was more obedient to it than I was, and I struggled with it. I had cinnamon toothpicks. I just picked up other habits, chewing gum and everything. But finally, I was set free from all of that stuff. I didn't need the cigarettes, didn't need the toothpicks, didn't need the gum, nothing. But, you know, we tried. We said yes and did yes. Amen. And so sometimes you just have to act things out. You have to put some action to the things that you want. Praise the Lord. I didn't think I had enough today. I got more than enough. <laughs> but until we can own up to our boundaries, especially with God, we will never change them. And we'll, we won't work within the limits of them because we'll always stretch that boundary a little bit further. You know, we'll say, I got boundaries, I just won't go any further than this. But when, then when we get to that line, we move the lines or we move the boundaries because our flesh talked us into doing something we know is wrong. But by stretching the boundaries a little bit, uh, we satisfy our flesh by letting it think that we stayed within the boundaries. Yeah, but you stretched them to death. We got to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. We have to set realistic boundaries based on the Word of God, and don't move the lines. Don't stretch them. Amen. Sometimes we're afraid to be honest with God because of experiences that we had with our earthly relationships. I'll give you an example. Now, my dad didn't discipline too much, but when he did, it was a backhand or slap or something like that. He didn't spank. He didn't use a paddle or a belt. And uh, when we would get in trouble, he would say, all right, I want you to tell me the truth now, because if you tell me the truth, it, it will go e I'll go easier on you. It won't be as bad, you know? So we tell him the truth. Man, it'd be just as bad as if we didn't tell him the truth. So he lied to us. It wasn't, he didn't, he didn't reward us for telling the truth. And so this is how we feel about our Heavenly Father, you know? Adam, where are you? Adam, why are you hiding? God knew where he was and why he was hiding. He was trying to give Adam the chance to fess up. So when 
uh, we did this with our kids, you know. We said, all right, first of all, we all, always knew the truth before we asked them. We didn't need them to verify the truth. We had the Holy Ghost. So when we asked them what the truth was, they knew we knew. And sometimes Chris was still alive. He figured it'd be worth the whipping. But anyway, we would tell them, if you tell the truth, we'll go easier on you. And they would tell the truth, and we would go easier on them. They still had to pay the price for what they did, the, the consequences. But we went as easy on them as possible and still allowing them to learn their lesson. But we rewarded truthfulness. And so and this is how we have to do because when we come to our father, we have to know that he's going to reward truthfulness. He's going to reward honesty. He's not going to punish us for it. We still have to pay the consequence, but it goes much easier on us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me see if I can find a jumping off place here. Well, there ain't a good place. We're just going to quit here. <laughs> I could go another half hour. But anyway, God expects in Psalms 51.6, he desires truth in our inner parts. You know, it's one thing to lie to a, uh, an employer. It's another thing to lie to your parents. But you're lying to God. He knows everything. And you think you're going to tell him a lie and get away with it? You can't. That's just foolishness to think that you can tell God a lie and get away with it. He knows the truth. He always knows the truth. There's no variation to the truth with him. He knows the whole truth, nothing but the truth. He knows it all. Don't lie to God. If you cross the boundary, repent. If you said yes and did no, repent. I mean, he'd rather you not say anything at all than to say, than to say no and do yes, or to say yes and do no. He'd rather you just keep your mouth shut. But if you do tell a lie, there's room for repentance. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that comes forth today. God, help us to realize the boundaries in our life and the importance of having them. Help us to realize, God, that you've established these boundaries to keep us safe and to keep us within the promises of God and to keep us within the blessings of God. And anytime we go outside of these boundaries, we are risking our blessings, risking the promises of God, and risking even our lives and getting into trouble for, out, for outstepping our boundaries. So help us realize, Lord, that we need to stay within the boundaries and give us the strength to do it. Help us to establish all our boundaries based on the word of God, because you know what's best. Always did and always will. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.